Hi, welcome back to Hurt, a One Step Away podcast. In this episode, I speak with Edward. Edward is 42 years old and has worked with One Step Away since July of 2018. This episode was originally recorded in February of 2019 in the basement of the United Methodist Church on Broad Street. This episode was recorded by Dylan Yuska, edited by Max Morgan, and produced by Emily Taylor. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe and rate. Your support helps One Step Away lift Philadelphians out of homelessness. And please be advised, this is an explicit podcast that touches on some pretty sensitive topics and issues. My name is Edward. I'm 42. I sell my magazines on 15th and JFK. Um, someone who's homeless is striving to have somewhere to go, but it's a lot of, it's difficult. It's just, it's really difficult when you don't have a base. You know, they have shelters out here where typically you would think they they would help you, but I, I guess because of a, a lot of the issues that other people deal with while they're homeless, it's hard to help people who have who who do not have the same issues. I don't I don't get high. I don't I don't drink. Yet it's still difficult finding help. I, I think these these organizations that deal with help homeless are more prone to dealing with addicts and um, people with mental issues and. Like I, if I, and if you don't have none of them, none of those issues, you're not. It doesn't seem like you're as important as they are. I'm trying to figure it all out by myself. There are programs, and you get on lists of programs. And here in Philadelphia, there's a lot of homeless people, so you, everybody's not going to get help. Like I was um, having a custody battle while going back and forth to court fighting over custody and I wasn't I was unable to pay my bills uh because of fighting going back and forth to court about my child and uh you know I had a decent enough landlord to allow me to run up a tab for twenty four hundred dollars which is kinda unusual but he 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 he's in the business of making money with property so he had to evict me. Since about 2010, my life has been a lot of turmoil. So nothing's been permanent, you know. First, I, I, I was released from the penitentiary. I couldn't find no job because I, I was a felon. And so I did a lot of different idiotic things for survival. And um, in 2008, I went and did the rest of my time. but still being a felon until the however amount of time it takes for them to do the background check and not see things like that. I came back to Philadelphia in 2015 with uh, uh, my son's uh, mother and her other two children. And um, I mean, life was pretty decent. We didn't get along, but you know, I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, waking up and seeing my child every day, and we had another child, which was a little girl. So I, I, that that part was pretty dope. I I had to continue to do things that I, I wasn't comfortable with, but for survival. Uh, one step away was a uh, an option at that time in 2010, and but my vibe was so negative. I just thought this this was beneath me. Uh, I was staying in the shelter at. Um, 
brought in fair, fair amount, I was staying at that shelter. And I just thought this was so believe, beneath me. You know, I came up with the mindset that I was going to uh, do the same exact ignorance that um, I've been doing because I couldn't find no jobs. So, like, McDonald's was one of my, one of my jobs. And uh, also during the time I got, I got hired at Randstad, uh, Tyco Health care system in Phoenixville hired me, but they let me go. I also had a job with gutter guard, but they let me go because of the felony thing. And then I also worked, these are jobs that I can remember. It was a lot of in and out, a lot of underpaying jobs, but just jobs that I remember like right now, like offhand. And I also worked at the Philadelphia Sports Club down there on Fifth Street. And they were paying like seven twenty-five, and it was, um, it was uh, part-time, so not only was I working down on 5th Street, but I also was working down on Market Street, and then I was working down on 22nd Street, and I believe I went to uh, one of the clubs out in Ardmore. But it just wasn't enough money for a, a, a grown man, like with children and, 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 and mouths to feed and, and people depending on them. And so uh, I went to the negativity. You know, because it was faster, and I and I could and I could actually do things for the people that that needed me. You know, like this is rough, cause I find myself in the same situation, but this time I was doing things correctly. Before I broke my shoulder, I was working at um, and all this while I'm homeless, I was working at um, at Mealy's Furniture out in the Northeast, Northeast Philadelphia. So all this while I was homeless. Prior to that, all this while I was homeless. I was working at um, Amazon, but I couldn't get back and forth there on the weekends. It was a four-day schedule, 10-hour shifts. I loved the job, but I just couldn't get there on the weekends. Saturday, I had to get there a little later, and then Sunday, the bus just didn't go out that way at all, so I had to let that go. And prior to that, all while I'm homeless, I was working at um, Conchahokan Brewery in uh, Phoenixville. And prior to that, I was working at Quad Graphics. So it's not like I, I wasn't doing anything. I like to work. You know, I'm not a lazy person. But when I got injured, you know, I, somebody introduced me to one step away. And then when I actually picked it up and started taking it seriously, I started making money. And then um, it changed to $5. And um, I'm still making money. And I don't have no job. And you're currently homeless right now? Yeah. So what is your everyday like? Struggling and going to interviews and struggling. A lot of struggling. But one step away, every time I sell a magazine, it's $5. I guess it's life. But it's a harder life when you're black, though. It's just a known fact. It's not nothing that we guess. It's not nothing that's being guessed. It's a known fact. I go into a courtroom and I say, um, I, I say my child is being abused and I bring proof that my child is being abused. And the judges look at me uh, at like asking me why I keep repeating the same things over and over again. Like it don't, it's not rocket science because if, if we, if I go into the same courtroom and a cop got a sheet of paper that says that I had this, this, that, that, this, this, that, that, and this, 
You know what I'm saying? Now I got 12 people in the room going to figure out if I was guilty or not, even if I say I didn't do it. But I go into the courtroom. There's no defendant or none of that. I just go into the courtroom with proof saying that this is what happened to my child. And yet we can't figure out what happened. It, it becomes a long process of like, you know, when you go to court and you're and, and they feel like they have you guilty, you, they come with plea deals and bargains and shit. And, and first your bail start off high, then it go down low. And then it, but 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 that ain't because I ain't in court for that. I have to I have to go out of my way to prove something that's in the same black and white that y'all used to convict me in a crime. And this is in media, uh, PA. You know, I, I, I was told it's one of the richest uh, counties in uh, Pennsylvania. That's what I was told. And, you know, I went in there, uh, like, confident, like, shit, there's no way this can get messed up. It's no way that this can get messed up. And it still did. And the same paperwork that I'm telling you that I gave to that attorney is the same paperwork that I took into that, into that, into that courtroom. Now, you want to know what the attorney said? There's no way they could have messed this up. But when, you know, doing her job, she wants to see what information that they have. And it's the same exact information. So it's like, there's no way they could have messed this up. But they did. Like, I got documents from um, Children's Hospital saying that my son was abused. They're not guessing. They're saying that he was abused. They're saying that there was no way it could have happened in the care of the dad. So why do you give the child back to the mom? And then we can go a little bit further because in abuse, there's supposed to be an investigation not only done by child services, but if you can't figure it out, then you get a shit to the cops. They didn't. Why is that? Because if we're talking about a black man who's not trying to defend, but on the other side of the table, then it's we can't figure it out and we'll let the cops figure it out. They would have got me locked the fuck up like Undoubtedly, they would have got me locked the fuck up because we're going father against mom. And, you know, this is a commonwealth state and no commonwealth go with the mom, you know. And then they, they also they messed up, too, because like there was already an investigation open and they had um, one of their workers in the courtroom at, at that time and the woman the mother felt comfortable enough to say, well, I just moved in with the man that he's saying, put his hands on his son. And his, and the worker didn't step up and say, well, I, to the judge that I, you know, I recommend that the child be removed from the mother's care and put in the father's care until the investigation is over. Then three weeks later, three weeks, when I get the child, he's burnt. So I go back in. And I get, and I, and it's not, now I got proof. First, it was just him saying he got smacked. Now I got proof that he was burned. So the first time could have been allegations, could have been something made up. 
But this time I got proof from a hospital. But when you're when you're me and you're going up an entity that's greater than you, and uh, maybe I don't speak the language that one would have to speak to sit in a courtroom. So I can't give you the the jargon necessary so you can understand where I'm coming from, even though you could read it yourself, even though I got movies of the child saying it happened, even though I have movies of when I went to go pick up my child and it took eight minutes to get him, the car just kept moving all around the parking lot. Like, that's enough to let you know, like, they trying to hide something to a normal person. You know, it's a lot. How do I deal with it? I don't know where I sell these magazines. Sometimes I just be cursing and hollering and screaming. I mean, I, my, my, my saying is I, I treat people the way I want to be treated, period. That's really it. You just treat people how you want to be, how you, how you would prefer to be treated. And, and, and you know, sometimes you just got to look at things like, wow, you know, I, w- I wish uh, if it was... If it was me, I would I would sure want somebody to help me. You know what I mean? That's 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 really it. I mean, you you can you can judge all you like. If you can help people, help. It doesn't have to necessarily be money, because a lot of people they they are asking for money. If you don't have it, that's one thing. But if you can help in any kind of way, especially if you see the same person over and over and over again if you can help help you know god loves that you know i you know thy neighbor and all that stuff i don't know a whole lot about the bible but um god loves people who help people my end goal is to get a house um preferably with three to four bedrooms and to have custody of my children with this program i i the goal is to make money and to be an intricate part of 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 um, helping other people who are in my situation obtain some money so that they can possibly have money to travel and find the things that they need. All it takes is a job. I get a job every two weeks. I get. Uh, Eleven to twelve hundred dollars. I take a hundred dollars. I put it in my pocket. I take a thousand and I sit it in the bank. In three and six weeks, I should have a place. But remember, I said I'm injured. I haven't worked since May. See, the magazine's dope. I crushed um, in the first issue. Um, this this issue here, I was kind. Of, I was healing. I had two surgeries in January, the second and the fourteenth. Uh, and they broke my collarbone, so now I'm still so now so so I had a surgery, uh, the 14th of May, but the collarbone uh, it's healing better. I'm still going to uh, therapy, but that's it, cause I I do physical work now. Of course I could like if somebody was uh, somebody said well, why don't you get a sit down job? Yeah, that's easier said than done. But I start a job Thursday. It's it's out it's out near Norristown. Um, and I got an interview right today. It's three o'clock. Like I'm, I got some things rocking and rolling. It's just the shoulder is just messing everything up. But it's getting better. But we're not all the same. That don't make us like better than one another or nothing like that. It's just you know, it's how you deal with people on a regular basis. You got some good people and you got some assholes. That's really what it is. I don't, I don't know about 
heaven and hell or nothing like that. I know I'm living hell here. And it's looked like everybody else is having a great-ass time here. And most of them people that, in my opinion, I can't speak for everybody because I don't know everybody. But just most of the people that I know that ain't shit look like they living one hell of a life. We all need help. Everybody. We're all dependent on somebody one way or another. So, you know, just treat people the exact same way that you want to be treated. And um, you'll feel better about you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Heard, a One Step Away podcast. You can support our storytellers by subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review, or buying a magazine. You can also follow us on Instagram at OSA Philly. Thanks for listening.